In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Did Donald Trump's visit to Georgia change anything? Mr. Future Governor, I hope, David, you're going to be the governor. I just wasted a hell of a lot of time here tonight. All right, David Bridges. Welcome to Politically Georgia for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm Greg Bluestein, also known as... Greg Butstein with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, that was Vernon Jones. I'm joined, as always, by my fellow AJC political insider, Patricia Murphy, who was not called out by Vernon Jones on Saturday in front of Donald Trump. Patricia, welcome to the show that you (laughs) (laughs) co-host. Thank you, Greg. Welcome back from your world tour for your book. Did you have a good week last week? Oh, it was awesome. It was the coolest experience of my life. Thank you both. Other than getting married and having two children. Other than getting married and having kids and all that stuff. It was one of the most, one of the coolest experiences of my life. But thank you both for coming to the Atlanta debut at, up in Dunwoody, up in my neck of the woods. That oh, was fantastic. I just, I just want to know where uh, getting a silly name called in front of a president of the United States uh, ranks on your list of things that happened last week. <laughs> it was certainly unexpected um, because generally, when a candidate has what a minute with the former president, who is his biggest supporter, he talks nicely about the former president and does not attack. A, a reporter with a name that I haven't heard since kindergarten, but you know, <laughs> Greg Butstein with the Atlanta Jordan Constitution. Greg, <laughs> I have heard go. you called Greg Pustein, but never Greg <laughs> Butstein. You've heard Greg Pustein before? I've heard Greg Pustein. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, I texted you right when that happened. I'm like, he's got 60 seconds to make an impression and he spends about five seconds on you and your new name. Um, not the I mean, way I would have spent my time if I had a minute to talk, but these are his choices. I think it was longer because he also, he's, he opened with an attack on the Atlanta Journal constipation or whatever. So <laughs> he opened with an attack <laughs> on our newspaper. So he spent uh, an inordinate amount of time talking about the Atlanta media when he's running in. Northeast Georgia. Um, that all said, yes, I have a new nickname. Um, all my friends have made sure that I know about it because some of them have changed my contacts to that name. A quick reminder, if this is the first time you're listening to us, we encourage you to subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. This episode will be all about former President Donald Trump's visit to commerce over the weekend to stump for all of the candidates he's endorsing, starting with David Perdue. David Perdue, who is a wonderful man and incredible family and who really got screwed by camp, is the only candidate in this race who can beat Stacey the Hoax Abrams this November. 
And you know, the reason for that is because Trump voters, MAGA, Trump voters will not go out and vote for Kemp. They're not going to vote. And let's say it's going to be a close election. I happen to think that Georgia is a very red state. I think it's red as well. I think they cheated. They cheated at a level that people haven't seen before. And uh, but I think it's a very red state, but it will seriously impact the chances. And you know what? If if Kemp runs, I think Herschel Walker is going to be very seriously and negatively impacted because Republicans that happen to like Donald Trump, MAGA Republicans are not going to go and vote for this guy Kemp. And if they don't vote for Kemp, they're not going to be able to vote for a great man right there, Herschel Walker. And we don't want that to happen. Patricia, we should cut in and just say that was not what Herschel Walker's campaign wanted to hear whatsoever, which is a warning that, hey, they're not going to vote for Herschel Walker if Kemp is the nominee, because right now it looks like Kemp is in strong position to be the nominee. We should also say very loudly and very clearly that there was no rampant cheating in the Georgia election. There was no widespread fraud. Um, Federal and state local elections officials from both parties, including Trump's own attorney general, said the election was fair and accurate, and three separate tallies of Georgia's election results confirmed Joe Biden's victory. All that being said, I always have to remind people of that truth. Um, this was this was not what Herschel Walker wanted to hear in that sense, right? He wa- he wants to veer towards the general election avenue. He wants to look for a head on head to head matchup. So hearing from Donald Trump saying, hey, people aren't going to vote for Herschel Walker if if uh, Brian Kemp is the nominee, that's that's uh, some dangerous territory for Republicans. Well, it also really lets you see just exactly where Donald Trump's mind is, where his priorities are, and it is absolutely on defeating Brian Kemp. And I think if um, you go through the public polling and some private polling that we know about as well, Herschel Walker is way out ahead of his own um, primary electorate. We all know that or in in front of his uh, primary challengers. And he's the strongest candidate in the field that uh, the pro Trump ticket has. And so uh, Donald Trump there is trying to sort of tie Herschel Walker and uh, David Perdue together in hopes that Herschel Walker will lift David Perdue up to where he needs to be up there where he even has a chance of winning this primary against Brian Kemp. Obviously, the fear among Herschel Walker fans is that that is going to drag Herschel Walker back down uh, to have uh, him appear at a rally like this. Um, that was top to bottom about the 2020 election when when Herschel Walker didn't even live here. They would love to be talking about the future and not the past. When Herschel Walker got up there to talk about why he's there for President Trump and talk about his own candidacy, he did not mention the election. He talked about other issues, other hot button issues, um, but he did not uh, get into it the way the rest of the crowd did. And for people who didn't watch the whole entire thing, this the whole event kicked off with a bunch of lawyers from the 2020 um, sort of relitigation attempt, uh, Georgia Georgia attorneys who have gone on, gone after the election here in Georgia, tried to overturn it in multiple ways and uh, didn't get anywhere with any of those attempts, but they've become sort of these cult figures in Trump land. These avatars, these attorneys. Really. Yeah, these avatars. And so it was just crazy to see Garland Favorito up there on stage trying to pump up the crowd. And um, so it just was just from beginning to end about relitigating and lying about the 2020 elections 
every single candidate who went up there talked about that. Uh, but it, it is uh, I, the thing I just couldn't get away from is this is exactly the playbook that they had in the runoff elections. Uh, same staging, same color scheme, same cast of characters, same president, same message. It was stolen. And if they're hoping for a different result, I don't know how that's going to happen with this particular set of uh, arguments and issues. Same, everything except for a lot smaller crowd. Yes. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about Herschel Walker and his strategy a little bit later, but let's get dive into some of what you just talked about because um, there was, I'm used to 20,000, 30,000 people being at these rallies, very enthusiastic crowds that get there very early. And it was still, it was still a sizable crowd, but it was not 20 or 30,000 pe- people like the Trump um, campaign falsely insisted. Uh, at one point, the former president said, um, behind the risers, behind the TV risers, there's a crowd as far as the eye can see. And I, I was kind of on the closer to the front of that pen area, the, the press pen area. So I handed my phone to a colleague, a TV colleague, say, hey, can you just take a picture behind you? Took a picture that shows basically as just a handful of people, some people waiting in line for the porta potty, essentially, um, and, and for some food trucks, but not people as far as the eye can see. And that's, you know, the only reason that's an issue is because the Trump campaign seems to be obsessed with the amount of people that show up at these rallies. But the other hallmark of this rally is exactly what you said, Patricia. When candidates would go up there, when Trump, even when Trump was speaking, when he was talking about issues that had nothing, that other issues, when he was talking about crime, when he brought up Buckhead cityhood, or when he talked about, when David Perdue talked about Rivian, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, when Donald Trump was up there talking about um, the push for Buckhead cityhood and introducing Bill White, who is the sort of figurehead of that movement, there was hardly, if any, applause whatsoever. But the moment people started talking about whoever the speaker would be, the moment they, they talked about the election being rigged or all these lies about voter fraud, the crowd grew animated. It started cheering. It reminded me of the persuasiveness or at least the power of this false argument that, that is sort of at the heart of everything. You know, candidates have been trying to broaden their messaging, saying it's the David Perdue. It's about slashing income tax and, and, and fighting the Rivian plant and, and expanding gun rights. Sure. That's, that's part of his agenda, but there is nothing for him right now that's more motivating than uh, aligning with Donald Trump's lies about election fraud. And we, we kind of saw that in the run up to this, to this rally of him moving even for, further towards Donald Trump's election lies. Yeah, well, that's also exactly why we continue to hear about that down at the Georgia General Assembly. It's why we hear about it from candidates, Republican candidates in these primaries on the campaign trail, um, because this is still animating the Republican base electorate. It's not just animating it. It's almost all they care about at a certain point. Um, All the other issues just seem to sort of roll off of um, just sort of roll off the stage. Nobody it just didn't get a lot of uh, reaction at all. Um, to your point. And then there was significant reaction when uh, any candidate would talk about the election being stolen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was massive applause when you take that one step further and talk about investigating the people responsible and then sending those people to jail. Um, And that's one of those moments when David Perdue uh, turned around. um, You and I both saw that turn around and uh, gave a a thumbs up to the crowd and smiled uh, when they were talking about jailing Uh, Brian Kemp and started chanting, lock him up. And I think that was really the moment of the rally because that's what this election is all about. Let's dig into that because not even before Trump arrived, David Perdue made clear what his focus would be 
during an interview with conservative radio host Brian Pritchard. In fact, I'll just say it, Brian. Uh, in my election, the president election, uh, they were stolen. Uh, the evidence is compelling now. Uh, not the hyperbole that you saw come out right after the election by people from out of the state, but just the court case that uh, we saw last year. Now, the election wasn't stolen, but this was significant because this was the first time, one of the first times, if not the first time, I haven't been able to completely pin that down, but one of the first times where Purdue said not only was Donald Trump's election stolen, but also his own defeat to John Ossoff. When Purdue hit the stage on Saturday, he continued to fan the flames about the 2020 election. Our elections in 2020 were absolutely stolen. Brian Kemp refused to fight the consent decree. He refused to give us a special session. He refused that anything happened. He refused any investigation to date. He still claims it was a clean election. But it's worse than that. He sold us out. He sold the people a bucket out by not letting them have a vote for their own destiny. He sold us out because of that corrupt, unconstitutional slush fund that he had the state create for himself. He absolutely sold us out in the city of Rutledge, Georgia, with this insane Rivian deal where he gave hundreds of your taxpayer dollars to George Soros, who has $2 billion invested in that company in Rivian. He sold us out. That's why I'm running for governor. I could not stand by and watch this train wreck happen. You know, and that, that speaks to what we were talking about earlier, applause for the election fraud, not so much for Buckhead or Rivian. And we heard a little, a lot more of that later on, uh, of that sort of uh, tepid response, even when Donald Trump was speaking. But this, Patricia, both of us in, immediately seized on this issue. This is the moment that got the most attention at the rally. He knows I've been fighting alongside of him all the way, and I'm fighting right now to find out what happened in 2020 and make sure that those people responsible for that fraud in 2020 go to jail. But I'm not done. In 2020... Now, Patricia, what you can't see, or you can't hear, I should say, but what was happening before our very eyes was as those Trump supporters were chanting, lock him up about the current Republican governor, David Perdue is smiling, he's flashing a thumbs up sign, and he's even sort of slightly clapping along. So far from chastising them, he's encouraging Republicans uh, to wish that their current governor, the current governor of Georgia, is imprisoned over these false claims of election fraud. And to me, that was sort of a point of no return. Yes, because so much of what we've heard from David Perdue up until this point talking about Brian Kemp is that he still likes Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp is a friend of his. He just thinks that Brian Kemp is not able to unify the Republican Party at this point because he has not stayed in good graces with Don with Donald Trump. That was really the message that we heard as David Perdue launched his campaign earlier this year. But when you get to a point where he is now, um, for the first time in our, that we know of saying the election was absolutely stolen, and then sort of whipping up the crowd as they chant lock him up about Brian Kemp, 
it's hard to see how these two guys are going to be campaigning together um, after the primary election. It's hard to see bearing the hatchet and unifying the Republican Party and saying, okay, well, that was a hard fought primary and let's all unite um, together. And and I, I can't imagine them campaigning together at this point. Now, stranger things have happened. However, another message last uh, on Saturday that we heard from Donald Trump and multiple other candidates was that um, if you elect Brian Kemp in this primary, Stacey Abrams will win, that Brian Kemp is not going to be able to win. And so uh, it's going to be Stacey Abrams who wins. I can't imagine uh, Donald Trump coming back in for Brian Kemp. I can't imagine a lot of the other Republicans on that stage coming back for Brian Kemp. So I agree. To me, it seemed like a point of no return. Yeah, and and certainly um, Ryan Kemp will not want Donald Trump coming back before the general election, even for Herschel Walker, no. because you just don't have any clue what he'll say on the stage. But we can assume that it will not be pro Brian Kemp. One thing that is important to remember is that, and I know we've talked about this many times on the show and written about it many times, but Brian Kemp and David Perdue used to be very close allies. If there is one person that who is responsible for for making sure that Donald Trump came and and headlined a final rally for Brian Kemp in 2018, right before the November election, it was David Perdue. He persuaded Donald Trump to to hold that rally and, and to give Brian Kemp that last minute support. Um, they've been close on the campaign trail over the years, and now their relationship is in tatters. And as you mentioned, it's hard to see any sort of repairing that when you cheer on Trump fans who are hoping that the guy you're running against is put in prison. Um, this entire rally was almost as much about Brian Kemp as it was the candidates who who Donald Trump uh, were there was there to support because even the down ticket candidates who he's endorsing for insurance commissioner for attorney general they're known for being anti Brian Kemp and they're going against Kemp loyalists Let, let's listen Brian Kemp is a turncoat he's a coward and he's a complete and total disaster just consider these facts Kemp and Raffensperger allowed themselves to be bullied into a catastrophic consent decree engineered by Stacey Abrams that effectively abolished signature verification and allowed massive voter fraud to occur throughout the state of Georgia. It's all been found out. We have all the numbers and they're massive numbers. Patricia, that sort of monologue from Trump has now been turned into a 30-second digital ad for David Perdue that we might see on TV screens soon as well. But that goes to the heart of the question, which is how much will this all matter for David Perdue? We might not know for a few more days if it moved him in the polls, but what he's expecting was that this gives him a bounce and he doesn't have much time. We're less than two months away from the May 24th primary. And if he wants extra help from Trump, if he wants some outside money to pour in, if he wants to juice up his his campaign contributions, he needs to show right now that he's moving in the polls. And we'll find out if he's cut into a double-digit lead that we've seen from Brian Kemp in most public polls fairly soon. Yeah, some of the recent polling that we've seen showed that 40% of GOP voters did not know that Donald Trump had endorsed David Perdue. I don't really know how that's possible, but that is a huge Hmm. chunk of the electorate of that primary electorate. And the assumption in Purdue world is that if we can just let them know about this endorsement, that will bring this critical mass of GOP voters over to our side. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that's going to be the case because um, uh, Brian Kemp is still 
fairly well liked among the GOP base, but not the entire GOP base. And it sets up this challenge for David Perdue. He clearly cannot win without all of the Trump Republicans coming over to his side for uh, the primary. That's that's going to that is his path to winning the primary. Um, now, what either of their path is to the general election after the dust settles here, um, and after uh, Donald Trump has declared later in that bite, he says MAGA will not vote for Brian Kemp. Um, boy, does that set up a really a really uh, dark cloud over November. That is not what Republicans want to hear out of the president right now. They would like to sort of be able to uh, have the primary come and go and then set up to win in November. Uh, this could this could complicate it. When we get back from a quick break, we'll talk about the other major race in Georgia politics, which is the U.S. Senate campaign. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents. Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, here with co-host Patricia Murphy. We are two of the three bylines you see every weekday morning on The Morning Jolt. We write late at night, or in Patricia's case, way too early in the morning. (laughs) Patricia, what do we have lined up for tomorrow morning? For tomorrow morning, we are going to get some details on what's happening up in Washington. There is a meeting today in the Senate Judiciary Committee about uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. We'll see if they take any kind of a vote or give any sort of indication about when a vote could be coming. Um, We'll talk about what is happening down at the state capitol. We are six days away from signee die, which is when legislation is officially dead if it hasn't been uh, passed within six days from now. Um, And then I'm sure we'll have some uh, bites from the campaign trail as well. And producer Jay cleaning up the podcast space-time continuum. Tomorrow morning is actually Tuesday morning, which is when this podcast will come out. So what Patricia's talking about (laughs) is what you can read in the jolt now. Yeah, that was my bad. I'm so confused. (laughs) Tomorrow is today. Uh, Now, our daily political (laughs) newsletter is one of the many benefits you get as a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And if you have not done so, please join us by going to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Now, the only candidate who did not lean hard into the complaints about 2020 is Herschel Walker. So it is time for us to wait up, put people in office that's going to be bold. And what I mean by bold is they're going to care about this country. Herschel Walker do. I care about America. Put people in office that don't, they ain't going to say, I'm not here to be a politician. I'm here to be a warrior because that's what God has said he brought me here to be. He brought me here to be a warrior. 
Herschel Walker, the happy warrior, Patricia, um, he's also the only candidate who doesn't really have to worry about a, a stiff primary challenge. He has several Republicans also in the race, but he is so far ahead in the polls and has such high name recognition. We have yet to hear him even utter the names of his chief Republican rivals in that Senate campaign, which, you know, it might be one of the reasons why he is taking this stance. He is trying to move to the middle right now by talking about issues, cultural war issues, but also avoiding some of the more polarizing um, Trump-related issues and talking to the conservative base in a different way. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, he's acting as almost as if he does not have a primary election. He's acting as if he's in the same situation as Stacey Abrams, that he can continue to focus on November and not take any positions, not say anything that is going to get uh, him too far to the right for that November general election. The reality is that he does have um, at least three Senate candidates, four that I can think of, um, in the GOP primary, uh, but they're nowhere near him. They're not even close to him. So he can just continue to act like he does not have primary challenges out there waiting for him, which he does. He's also not going to debate those candidates. He's just moving straight forward as if this primary is not happening. Uh, it's a very enviable position to be in. And I have to say, my big takeaway about Herschel Walker from that rally on Saturday night is that he is in a stratosphere by himself when it comes to GOP candidates. And I don't just mean him in the Senate. I mean GOP candidates in Georgia. The roar of the crowd that accompanied any mention of Herschel Walker, even if he wasn't on the stage, um, was louder than than anything else except perhaps discussion of a stolen election and jailing everybody responsible. He is a brand all his own when he was introduced to the stage uh, chants, uh, you know, the sort of like the Georgia chants, the bo- the dogs barking, um, and then Herschel, Herschel. That did not happen. Nobody else's name was chanted except for Herschel Walker's. And that, to me, the takeaway is that he's more than just a political candidate to those people in the audience. He's certainly more than just a political candidate to Georgians around the state. And um, he's going to be a really sort of a, a, a complicated candidate for Democrats to mm-hmm. run against if he gets through you, this primary. You're exactly right, Patricia. Um, he's going to be a very complicated candidate. And he's also, of the seven candidates endorsed by Trump, he's the only one who doesn't really need Trump's endorsement. The rest of them, they're, they've basically staked their entire campaigns on Donald Trump's support. Um, Herschel Walker told Donald Trump, hey, I'm glad to have it, but I'm going to run my own campaign. And he's not. He's and he's probably the only candidate, maybe in the country, who can actually say that to the president and get away with it, uh, because they have such a long-standing relationship. They go back decades to Donald Trump's days as USFL when he he drafted Herschel Walker to play for his his pro football team. Um, so look, Herschel Walker has such high name visibility that even if Donald Trump didn't endorse him, he pro- he still would have scared off a lot of better known, well known competitors in the Senate um, uh, runoff uh, Senate. In the Republican Senate race, <laughs> is that the way to say it? Um, where at the same time, you know, all these other candidates <laughs> face really stiff competition. You know, and I, and your point of him being this unique celebrity, I saw it firsthand. We happened to walk in to the um, to the rally together, and he was surrounded by a giant entourage. And every step he took, 
there was Trump supporters flocking to him, trying to get a selfie, trying to get a picture with him, trying to get his autograph, telling him just, hey, we're supporting you. We're going to vote for you. Um, a few, maybe an hour later, I'm kind of in the press pen and I hear this like massive crush rushing to the gates. And I'm wondering, okay, why are people kind of pinned up against these metal barriers? And Herschel Walker was walking through and I kind of saw him leap over one of the metal barriers uh, to get to the other side and immediately was surrounded by people just wanting to get a glimpse of him. So that that kind of said it all to me about his appeal um, to the conservative base and just his celebrity. Yeah. And he is also the only candidate, um, Democrat or Republican, for whom I have seen lots of bumper stickers just seems to be just organic people lots of bumper stickers i see driving around um the atlanta area i have not seen uh a lot of other republican uh bumper stickers except for governor kemp and they look like they might be from the last time around but he really is able to um and is galvanizing a level of attention and energy that supersedes donald trump and may be independent of donald trump well, let's hear from some of those voters. The AJC Shannon McCaffrey was also with us in commerce, and she spent the day taking the temperature of the Trump supporters who came out. I want to just ask you, how? what do you think? Well, I loved it. Uh, I love our president, number 45, uh, soon to be 47. Uh-huh. And uh, he's done a great job for our country. And uh, look at the times now, you know. I miss him, really do. I miss a true leader. We need to go back to where we were before. I mean, the $1.80 gas, the 1.7% inflation we had under Trump. We need election integrities, number one, in the security of this country. Does Trump's endorsement matter? Not really. Not to me, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you like Brian Kemp or David Perdue? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, what do you, you want to hear from them? What, do, what, would, what would change? I like, I like the job Kemp's done, but... Oh no, we need fresh people in here instead of career politicians. I think a lot of people feel that way. Is Trump's endorsement important to you? Uh, I think so. From historically, whoever he endorses, usually they are successful. Yes, yes, yes. Why is that Because they're all wanting to save America. They're wanting America. They're, they're, and they work for us. I think our politicians have forgotten. They work for us. And, and Trump always worked for us. You have a David Perdue sticker on. Are you going to vote for David Perdue? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, because Kemp uh, didn't do what was right um, as far as the Georgia's election was concerned with uh, Donald Trump. So I think David Perdue's going to be the better choice. But I would say one more thing. If, let's say, I mean, they were produced and uh, Mr. Temp, I mean, like, if something happens and Mr. Temp, I mean, is Mr. Temp will be the Republican, then I think it's really hard, hard, be very hard for Republic to win the Georgia. But not many people are going to come out and vote for, I mean, Temp anymore now. Any thoughts about Herschel? Great man. Last time I seen him, he was running a football against Florida. <laughs> Does it bother you that he's never been elected before? No, not at all. Is that a plus? That makes him more desirable. That's yes. what I was going to ask. Is makes him more desirable. Yeah. He's, not a he's, he's, he's an honest man. He's been successful. And we know football especially, but other things in life, he's a successful person right, right. and a good role model. And that's what we need. 
two things or a couple of things to unpack here, Patricia. One is that those voters professed loyalty to Trump and indicated, at least some of them indicated they wouldn't come back out for Kemp if he's the nominee. And, and secondly, the support for Herschel Walker as yet another outsider, you know, the kind of drawing the line between Trump and Herschel Walker, that Herschel Walker as a novice politician um, is a lot like Donald Trump, who ran for president in 2016, of course, with no political background. Yes. Never having been elected is a feature of his candidacy for those voters, not a bug. That's what they like about him. It's not what they don't like about him. Um, also, uh, Shannon had a an, an interview uh, that uh, didn't make the audio, but it was a Trump voter saying, I listened to Trump and Jesus um, and usually in that order. So there, uh, there is a level of affection. We saw this in 2015, 2016, 2020. There is a level of affection and loyalty for Donald Trump that is unmatched um, by another Republican at this point. They don't have anybody else to be to kind of stand in for Donald Trump to come out and stump for these candidates. He is who those voters want to see. Um, that's why 5,000 people, maybe it was 10,000. It definitely didn't feel like 30,000 like the last time. But no. these can these voters love him. However, that may not be a net positive for Republicans this time around um, if he doesn't get his candidates. And even if he does, um, we saw what happened in 2021. Um, so it's a very complicated path to victory with Donald Trump on your side. Exactly. And that's the trend we are continuing to watch. And that the reason why, at least I think, and maybe you think too, Patricia, let's let's find out, but Georgia is the biggest test of Donald Trump's influence in the entire nation um, this, this election cycle. I completely agree. And Donald Trump has made it the biggest test. He has gone out and sought these fights. He has put this test to his own voters and to states that are outside of his control. I'm not sure this is the test that he should have chosen for himself because this is a true battleground state. This is not an easy state to win under any circumstances. Um, but he has made this his test. He has made Kemp the hill he wants to die on. Um, that was his choice. And then he has gone out and rounded up a number of hardly known, um, hardly ever, most people have no idea who these lower tier candidates are down on the ballot who Donald Trump has gone out and recruited as well. So he has put his name on the line for people like Patrick Witt, who is now the insurance commissioner candidate. And from the stage said, I know hardly any of you know who I am, even fewer know what an insurance commissioner does. But let me tell you why you should vote for me. I mean, that's a really heavy lift. That is a heavy lift. And that message is not going to help. That's not going to win the primary. He's going to need a little bit more meat on the bone for other Republican voters who didn't happen to be in the audience. So uh, it, Trump has made has made this test for himself. And he has made, whoops. For once, that's not my dog. <laughs> That was my dog. Trump has made this test for himself. He has put the bar so high, it will be almost impossible to meet it. Um, but again, this is this is his choice. I've spoken with uh, people in Trump world who are like, we did. We don't know why he keeps endorsing all these people, except it is just yeah. a knee jerk reaction obsession with Brian Kemp. So now they're going to have to deliver on all these endorsements unless he starts rescinding them as he did in Alabama with Mo Brooks. Patrick Witt's message for his insurance commissioner campaign is he will, he will be against woke insurance, whatever whatever that means. Um, look, if you want a really great read about how Georgia became the most epic political battleground in the nation, look back to our special episode last week on the making of the book Flipped, which is out this past week. 
by yours truly. I have to always plug it or else my publishers get mad. <laughs> and even this time, Jay, Jay Black gave me a nice nudge to promote your book in all caps. So there you go. Also, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to help us grow this podcast. We'll talk to you on Friday on Politically Georgia in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.